Pizza. Where we would get pizza sometimes on set. For the cast and crew. Square. Rectangle. Oh, rectangle. Yeah. It's made on like a cookie sheet. Mm-hmm. Well, in our episode, we have circular pizzas. To be fair, I did see they tend to sometimes serve circular ones. Well, you heard it here, you guys. You heard it here. Sorry for the circular pizza when it wasn't Brunetti's rectangle pizza. All right, guys. Everybody is in the conference room now at 12 minutes, 29 seconds. They're eating the circular pizza that should be a rectangle. Fan catch from Mrs. Cray. What, Mrs. Cray? What is the funny dance move that John Krasinski is doing in the background? I don't know. They're just goofing around with it's the kids. It's just John being John. Yeah, he's just That's playing. John. Yeah. If you want to know what John is like, check out 12 minutes, 29 seconds. Yeah, he's just having fun. He is. Are we ready to play this tape from Fundle Bundle? 12 minutes, 51 seconds. The Fundle Bundle tape has arrived. We had a lot of fan questions about the Fundle Bundle video and how it was made. So I reached out to Kent Zabornak, our line producer. Mm -hmm. So he told me that our set designers built the set and that our wardrobe designer, Carrie Bennett, found all of these vintage 1960s outfits for the kids. She was great at that. So good. And probably so excited because all we wore were gray turtlenecks and like beige tops. And so she was probably so thrilled to have a project. Here's an interesting bit of trivia about Carrie Bennett. So before our show, Carrie worked on Scrubs. Mm -hmm. And she designed some kind of like, I guess, quote unquote, designer scrubs. Well, she could sew. And so she designed her own line of scrubs. That were less boxy, that were more flattering and fitted for both men and women. Right. Different colors and patterns. They were so popular that she actually started a line of scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. Go Carrie. So there you go. So when they shot this footage, they used a cheap video camera Mm -hmm. instead of one of our regular cameras. And then in post-production, he told me they threw in some additional artifacts. I guess artifacts is a term for lessening the quality of the film image. And so that's how it got that degraded. Grainy look. Yes. Yeah. We had another fan question from Karen Fryer. She said... Who was the voice of Edward R. Meow, the puppet that all the kids are talking to in Fundle Bundle? The voice is Kevin Carlson. He is a puppeteer and voice actor, but here's something very sweet. What? I did not know this. Kent Zabornak, our line producer, used to be a puppeteer. Stop it. Yeah. He worked with Jim Henson. Kent? Kent Zabornak worked with Jim Henson and Sid and Mary Croft. And he wanted to be Edward R. Meow. And they didn't let him? No, he couldn't do it in the end. He didn't have the time. He couldn't leave his job of line producing to be Edward R. Meow. So he asked his friend, another professional puppeteer, Kevin Carlson, if he would do it. This is that classic thing that I love where you look at someone, you think you know them. You're like, I know you. You're very efficient. Kent's kind of like this high strung, but like nice and kind, but he's getting stuff done. He's got Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And I'm like, Kent, I know who you are. And then you're a freaking puppeteer. Puppeteer. (laughs) What? Yeah. I did not know. That blew me away when he told me that. I love that. Yeah. I love it. But here's something. What? The little blonde kid. That gets interviewed by Edward R. Meow. The first kid? The first kid. Yeah. That's Kent Zabornak's son. Aw. Alec. That's so cute. He had to audition for the role and he got it. He He got it. Yeah. He had to audition. Isn't that cute? 
That is so cute. Should we talk about Chet Montgomery? We should. Chet, he's like a local like celebrity. Yeah. So my hometown is pretty small, you know, in uh, North Texas. And the evening news there is, good evening, Texoma. Because we're right by the Texas-Oklahoma border. Okay. And the folks that do the news there, the local anchors, I have been in Wichita Falls with like my grandmother or mom. We're like at the mall or going to Luby's. They love Luby's. What's Luby's? Luby's is like... Do they sell earrings? No. It's like... it's My grandparents love to go there for lunch. You get a tray and you go all the way down. Oh, it's an eatery. You eat there. You get a tray and you go all the way down. It's like a buffet. Like a cafeteria style yes, buffet thing? Yes. I'd love that place. Oh, yeah. Like it's, a soup plantation? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Luby's. It was called Luby's. It's in the mall. But I remember going there with my grandparents and we saw the local news guy and they were like, there he is. Oh my God. That's the, he does the evening news. Oh my God. We're so excited. This kid mm-hmm. who's being interviewed, he's Chet Montgomery. We yes. find out he's the weather guy. Yeah. Right? He's played by Damani Roberts. Here is a crazy thing about Damani Roberts. What? Remember earlier in The Talking Head when Michael says, I'm Eddie Murphy and Raw, but they're going to make me be Eddie Murphy and Daddy Daycare? Is Damani and Daddy Daycare? Yes. Stop it. Yes. That's amazing. Damani Roberts is also in Daddy Daycare. Fan question from Grace Marvel 5005 and Chris Wolpert, who played Michael as a kid? Uh, This was an actor named Jake Callender. Jake Callender. Jake Callender. He sounds like Chet Montgomery. He does. Jake Callender with the evening news and Texoma. So when young Michael is interviewed. Didn't you think young Michael looked like young Sheldon a little bit? Oh, yeah. I can give you that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Looks a little bit. A little bit. Okay. So he's interviewed. He's interviewed and he's asked what he wants to be when he grows up. We should also remind you guys, he's in a full suit and tie. Yeah. He's a little kid. Yeah. And he says, I want to be married and have 100 kids so I can have 100 friends and no one can say no to being my friend. Is this when you cried? This is when I had to turn off the episode. It hit me so hard. I don't know why. This idea of just this little kid longing for friends. and. Longing for acceptance, but we're getting a uh, real window into his life. Listen. It was just, it was almost too much for me. It was almost too much for me, the sentence about Michael's past. It was just, and, and I think because then you go to Steve's reaction and Steve's acting is so good in that moment. It just, it just like, I don't know. I mean- I I remember at the time when we shot that, that after the little Michael says that, it cuts to a shot of the puppet who, and the puppet can't speak. And we lost it. The puppet is like a gape, right? His mouth is open. Do you know that the puppet, they linger on the puppet with its mouth open in silence? Like, what the heck? Right? Yeah. They linger on that puppet for six seconds of silence. Oh. I mean, seeing a puppet with its mouth agape being like, what the F just going on? It is funny. It is. It is funny. And when we were shooting this. Six seconds. We were dying. Yeah. We were dying at the shot of the puppet. 
And so when I was getting ready, I think, to sit down and watch this scene, all I could remember was how we were crying, laughing at this reaction shot of the puppet. But then I saw, I just saw this whole other side of how not funny that was. Well, we were looking at the puppet. We weren't looking at Steve at that moment. Yeah. So we missed, we missed that moment for Michael. We needed to watch it as an episode. Yes. As an audience. Yeah. Yeah. I just was, anyway. Well, the kids start peppering Michael with questions, right? Yeah. They're saying, well, did you get married? Do you have kids? Do you have a girlfriend? And then the little girl says, I guess you didn't get to be what you wanted to be. And it is soul crushing. And I was watching this with Isabel, who's 11. And she turned to me and she goes, Mom, were there just times when you were doing this show that you were like, I am so uncomfortable? Mm. She was like, this is really uncomfortable. I mean, she thought it was funny, you know, but she Mm -hmm. was like, that is awkward. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of cringy moments on this show, which make it all work and balance. But just the fact that she picked up on that at her age of like, what an awkward moment this was. Oh, man. Well, Michael is so gutted. He just... He locks himself in his office. Yeah. He won't come out. And the reaction shots of all of us are great. We're all really sad for him. Sad, a little embarrassed. Yeah. All of it. So Pam's talking to Jim. We got a lot of mail about this little scene. Pam's talking to Jim. She's saying Michael won't come out of his office. He won't answer his phone. Over her shoulder, Roy is wrestling with Meredith's son. He's so happy. Roy yeah. Roy, and the jerk kid are having the best time. We had a lot of questions about what this scene was supposed to mean because Pam seems a little bit embarrassed or ashamed that Roy and this kid are getting along. They're like, what did this mean? Well, I think I, – I don't know. What, what was your interpretation here? Here was my take on it. Okay. Because – you have Roy, this big guy, right? And he's kind of fratty. He's kind of like a frat guy. And he is with the kid that's the asshole. Right. And they're having the time of their lives. They're in there. There's other people around them. They're not even caring about other people's personal space. They're wrestling in this room. And Roy's like, got him in a headlock. And he's like, I love this kid. And I think Pam had a flash of what her life would be like with Roy, with children. What their kids would be like. Yeah. She was going to have a kid that's like, mom, pull my finger. Fart. Dad, laugh. (laughs) Yeah. And and Pam was like, oh, God. Well. Oh, no. I'm going to be outnumbered in my own house by, like, the Roy kids. Yeah. I think it's definitely there to show a contrast to the way Jim bonds with a kid. Yeah. Over books and reading. (laughs) Yeah. As opposed to just roughhousing. Yeah. But – I have to say, when I saw that, I thought, yes, that's what this kid needs, actually. He needs a father figure in his life. He needs someone to wrestle with him because that is an important part of parenting. I didn't think that that was so bad of a thing. No, I think it's perfect for Roy. The problem is that's not what Pam wants in a dad. Pam wants more of a gym dad that is going to do a silly dance and talk about books, and probably wrestle a little bit too. But I think Roy is just a little brutish. It's absolutely what Meredith's son needs. I mean, he needs a big guy to like grab him and be like, hey, yeah, <laughs> you know, pay attention. But well, I just think it's just that moment that shows that Jim 
and Pam are just, you know, you meet people. We all like dated people. And there's some people you know instinctively that you're going to parent the same with. Yeah. And I think Pam and Jim are going to parent the same. Yes. Yeah. I think that's good. That's good. That's good analysis. I like that. Well, next up, we go to the copier with Dwight, and we're going to see how Dwight might parent Jake. Well, again, Dwight and Angela, Angela has told him he needs to be tougher with the kids. Basically, that's her subtext because that's what she would expect, right? That's what she had growing up, and she expects him to be that way. Yeah. So she's egging him on. She is. glaring at him like, shut that kid up. Jake tells Dwight that he's ugly. Yeah. And then Dwight is horrible. I'm at sorry. My prodding, at my prodding, he's horrible. get my mini soapbox out again? Because yeah, I, I mean, did not care for this. No, it wasn't good. It bumped me. I didn't like that Dwight told a child, mm-hmm. like that Dwight insulted a child the way he did. I didn't. I think we're meant as an audience to be like, yeah, you give it to the jerk kid. But I just, that, ugh. I didn't like it. I don't think we're meant to do that. You I don't think, think? I don't think so. I think, like, there's part of you that's, like, glad that this kid is, like, at least put in his place a little bit, although done completely inappropriately. But I think what I took away from it is, like, Dwight, Dwight is a kid. You have two t- – these are two kids in one conversation. I mean, Isabel watched it with me, and she was like, oh, Mom, Dwight. And I said, I know. He's just a kid. Well, it all just made me super sad for Jake. Oh, well, Jake, Jake is doomed. <laughs> That's what I felt like. He's, he's Meredith's kid and he's doomed. At 15 minutes, 39 seconds, Pam strikes out again. Oh, boy. Yeah. Melissa comes over. She's like, you know, I've spent some time with your mom. She's so nice. And Melissa's like, um, that lady is not my mother. <laughs> like, you mean Terry? That's yeah. my stepmom. Yeah. So now she's like, oh, for two, right? Oh, yeah. Pam's not doing great until Jake comes over. <gasps> Jake, Jake's probably a little wounded by this time. I think he's a little softer around the edges now. Maybe so. And she's like, do you want to shred some stuff? Your shredder. My shredder. Your 17 shredder. minutes, 50 seconds, everyone. The, your shredder that you said, we never use. And people were like, oh, I'm getting to my keyboard. <laughs> yes. Boy, we got a lot of mail after I said that early on. Uh, Yes, Pam does use her shredder. With Jake. By the way, I want to say that original shredder did not work. It was inoperable. And I can't remember now if they had to bring in some other shredder. I think there's a reason why there's not a great shot of it is because it doesn't technically match the giant shredder that's always been there. I will say also in our early years on set, I know we were on a tight budget, right? We were the show that was almost going to get canceled. We were like, it was sort of shoestring budget. And a lot of our appliances in the office, if you look really closely, are old used appliances that they would take from like a prop warehouse or other shows. Oh, the copier didn't work at first. And then they wrote that someone uses the copier and they're like, whoa, hold up. That doesn't work. We need a copier. We were just, I mean, that was just decoration. just a prop. We're planning on using that. And that shredder looked like something from the Dharma Initiative. <laughs> it looked it really does. old. Well, you remember that copier used to often not work right. Do you remember that? We were always All fixing that copier. All the time. But then when I worked in offices, we were always fixing our copiers. So maybe it worked just as it was meant to work. I don't know. Or as good as any copier I've ever used. All right. All right. So now... Toby goes into Michael's office, and he's returning the toys that Sasha took, 
And Toby asks Michael if he's okay. And Michael says, well, you have to ask me that because you're head of HR. And Toby's like, well, it's true. It's true. But how are you? And then they end up having a heart to heart. A sweet heart to heart. Michael and Toby. I know. But of course, then Michael asks if Sasha has a godfather. And Toby's like, she does. I Toby actually cuts him off. Yeah. So he's like, hey, does Sasha have a godfather? Because he no, does. He does. He does. She does. Yeah. She does. Oh, right. Yeah. But Michael decides he's gotten, he's feeling a little better. He's going to sign up for an online dating service. He's going to get out there. He is. He's going to try to make little Michael Scott's dream come true. Let's That's get right. married and have his 100 kids. And he wants the ladies out there to know how serious he is about having a family and yep. his love of children. So he makes his username little kid lover. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. going to do it. Oh boy. All right. So now huge bombshell. Abby is leaving with Kevin and she wants to invite Jim over for dinner. Very but sweet. He can't. He has plans. He has plans. What plans? Kevin says, you never have plans. Guess yeah. what guys? Jim has a date. Jim has a date. With who? Is this maybe Brenda? Is Brenda back? Fan question Laura Dini would like to know. Who is Jim going on a date with? Don't know. Brenda? Is he lying? No, he he has no, a he date. No, he has a date. I think he does. No, he for sure has a date. Yeah. So then we get to the last scene of the episode. This is the second time I cried in this episode. When they were singing? Yeah. <laughs> Jenna. Dwight is playing I, I guitar. The first one. Why did you cry in this one? I don't know. This song really gets to me. Teach your children. Michael is singing. Crosby stills and Nash. Yeah. I and love, young, I guess. I love how um I love how Steve does this. He went for it. He went for it. His very weird harmony. High falsetto. Yeah. Yeah. And during this scene, Jim and Pam have a little banter. A little oh, banter. This um, was a real kick in the nuts for Pam. Whew. This was a tough one. Jim says, why does he have a guitar if he never plays it? They're doing their thing where they kind yeah. of flirt and chitty chat in the yeah. corner. Exactly. They're commenting on what's mm-hmm. happening. But then uh, they kind of giggle. Mm-hmm. Then Pam looks away and she turns back and she's like, well, my theory is he's gone. Jim's gone. Oh. Yeah. And then your little adjustment after you realize you were talking to no one and yeah. he's gone is so great because you kind of feel her like, oh, okay. Jeez. So at 19 minutes, one second, we sort of start this montage, right? Jim is leaving. Yeah. And you see this really sweet thing with Michael and Sasha. Like he's kind of helping, I think, get her in Toby's car. And then you end with this Dwight talking head. Yeah. It's so good. What? Okay. I have a question. Yeah. Where's that photo from? I found out. Good. I was hoping you would. Yeah. So during this talking head, Dwight is kind of explaining the value of children uh, in the Shroot ancestry. And there is this photo, this black and Mm -hmm. white photo of a family, a seemingly kind of impoverished family. Impoverished family. Well, Dwight says that they would have a lot of children so they could work the fields, which, you know, is not a real stretch because my mom grew up in rural Texas on a farm Uh and she had their 12 siblings. Yeah. They all worked the farm. I think that was a thing. Yeah. That that was a thing. Yeah. Life on the prairie. Little House on the Prairie. We learned that from Little House on the Prairie. Not really, but... 
the that family had a lot of kids and they all worked that field and farm. They had like four. I think they had more than that. Five? I feel like it was upwards of seven. What? Mara. Mara. Mary. Half pint. Yeah. The baby who I think died on Christmas Eve of fever. There were some boys. One boy. Maybe there were only four or five. I don't know. They all worked the farm, though. Anyway, Dwight also says that they sometimes ate the weakest person in times of real hardship. And then he's like, (laughs) but not a kid. We didn't eat the babies. But the way he says it means, like, maybe sometimes they well, did. Well, no, he said, I'm kidding. We never ate the children. It never came to that. Right. But if it did. They were, yeah. All right. Well, at 20 minutes, 17 seconds, there is a shot of this photo. Mm-hmm. And in the Booze Cruise podcast, we mentioned that Rain did bring in a number of photos of his real family. Is this one? No. Oh. It's not. There was a real photo of his family in the vending machine in the cold open of Booze Cruise, but this was not Rain's real family. Kent told me that they just found it on Getty Images. It's a stock photo. They just licensed it, and it became the lore of Dwight's family. Right there. Just there. a picture. There you go. It's there somebody's go. family. It's someone's family. Maybe someone will write in and say, hey, that those are my ancestors. Those are my ancestors. A Getty image photographer came to a reunion in 1814. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, here you go. That's our episode. All right, you guys. That's Take Your Daughter to Work Day. If you have any questions, if we left anything out, write us in, and we will see you next week. We will, I think, for Michael's birthday. (gasps) Michael's birthday. Yeah, the ice skating rink. Oh, I have good photos from that one. I have good stories. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our producer is Cody Fisher. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of the show and our bonus episodes, Candy Bag, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. OFFICE.